Thank you. Are we going? We're going. Yeah, we're going. Cool. Why don't we start with you saying uh, just what your name is and uh, go for And it. wait, can you add your class year too? Yes. Like when you graduated? Yes. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. <clears throat> hey, my name is Spencer Ludwig from the class of Oakwood 09. And I'm a singer, songwriter, producer, trumpet player. What skills will students need to be prepared for an increasingly complex future? As technology continues to shape our society and our structures of communication, how should education respond? And can places of privilege foster equity and inclusivity within and beyond their communities? My name is Tristan Friedberg-Radman. This is Learned. On Learned, we're looking beyond test scores and college acceptance rates to understand how education can shape the future of our society and what kind of teaching we need to bring us there. Our guest today is Spencer Ludwig. Spencer graduated from Oakwood in 2009, and after playing trumpet in the band Capital Cities, signed a record deal with Warner Brothers as a solo artist. I used to go to the $2 shows he hosted in Backyards in the Valley. Ivan, Spencer, and Christy sat down at Oakwood to talk about using a creative education to develop concrete life skills, finding clarity of purpose, and making it work as a musician. Spencer and Ivan have known and challenged each other for 15 years, and, if I can say so, this interview is a wonderful reflection of their relationship, too. What were the points in your career that were the sort of big moments of transition and progress? Most of the monumental transitional periods of my life have come in tandem with music. Right off the bat, I was introduced to jazz. That was a really big experience for me to, to start with freedom instead of structure. And it was exciting. And, you know, once you're given that freedom, you kind of don't want to let go of it. So I think that was a big, big part of it. Jumping forward to brass instruments in middle school and high school, those were really big transitional moments for me because I was highly encouraged <laughs> to pick up a brass instrument by the middle school music department at Oakwood, since saxophone isn't really written for in a lot of classical pieces. So I picked up the French horn. It was an uphill battle to learn to love that instrument at first because I just didn't really want to do it. But I wanted to continue to be in the music program. And I liked the idea of learning other instruments as a potential way to maybe become more appealing to colleges down the road. And really that wasn't the way to look at it. I don't think, you know, it should have just been focus on something that you love and it'll work out. But in the end, it led me to the thing I love most, which is the trumpet, which I decided to pick up to get back to jazz. That was a very difficult transitional period for me because the school had already invested a lot in me as a French horn player. And that was sort of the path I was taking towards college. So to pick up the trumpet, going into my senior year was kind of like confusing for everybody. <laughs> and and I didn't really care what anyone thought because I knew that at that moment I finally had to do something for myself. And um, you feel like that was the first moment you did something for yourself? <laughs> in a professional way. Okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, in, in a big life way. I mean, I certainly was independent and uh, 
selfish in many ways, <laughs> you know, in high school. But choosing the trumpet was one of those moments where I was like, wait a second, what do I really want to do with my life? And no one was really telling me it was something that I had to choose. And I really wanted to do the trumpet. I really wanted to play jazz. I really wanted to do something with more freedom, less structure. So the next, you know, really big moment for me was going to Cal Arts as my college music experience and really going back to freedom, trying to figure out what I was going to do with this instrument. While I was going to school, I spent half my time in school and half my time monetizing the elementary level skill I had at the trumpet, <laughs> teaching lessons to elementary school kids and also taking Craigslist ads out for uh, trumpet players and playing with different bands. And both things kind of spiraled out of control where I was doing so much of it that I really felt like I was a working trumpet player and educator in Los Angeles. One of the bands that I was playing in was called Capital Cities. They were just starting out, had a couple songs, heard me playing, invited me to come to the studio, told me to just improvise, play what I hear. Whatever I played was really exciting to them and kind of created, well, they invited me to sort of just join the band. I ended up just really improvising um, in, in their world on their style of music, which ended up making the record, which ended up signing a deal. And I just got to ride the wave of being a part of that band and sort of weaving my trumpet into their music. Were you still at CalArts when you joined Capital Cities? I was, which was a point of contention as well. <laughs> I got to my fourth year at CalArts. I was able to balance it up until my fourth year. I had one semester left and a couple big tours were coming up that were going to have me out probably for the rest of the final semester. So I had to make a decision and I took an official leave of absence. My last semester, the credits that I would have needed to graduate were songwriting, basic production, <laughs> and, and a recital. Really? <laughs> that is wild. It's extremely wild. <laughs> and I wish I could just turn in this album that I'm about to make. <clears throat> it's interesting to just think about like 2015 being like not that long ago, and yet you've been able to sort of like launch a pretty diverse and interesting career that I don't think fits into a box that I recognize. So maybe just talking about like where you're at now and the art you're trying to create now and the experience you're trying to create now in your music. I think where we do actually understand each other is in figuring out how to monetize your skill in a musical way. And so what I've always done is exactly that. It's like, how can I create a business out of what I know in order to develop where I want to go and what I want to get to? And, and I sort of manifest through what I can do and also who I know to help me get there. That's sort of the core of my process. The reality of accepting a record deal without having ever written any songs 
a big part of it comes from the fact that a record deal comes with a massive advance. <laughs> and coming out of touring with Capital Cities, I had to pay rent. And I was either going to go back to teaching and playing gigs locally or taking this record advance and doing something I've never done, but using the language that I know to do it. And also explore something that I thought deep down inside was in me, but I hadn't really tapped into yet, which was songwriting, producing, and being a solo artist. Where I'm at now is I've created a foundation for myself of understanding, of knowledge, but of also financial stability, where I can go back to developing entirely the creative side and really making a statement as an artist. Fessy, alligator shoes. Did you get the news about me? Young feet, how am I gonna choose? I can only put three in the backseat. At the tippity top of the crickety cup. We're going out tonight, I passed three. Find out what I'm talking about. I got so you came into in Oakwood in kindergarten? Yes. You spent 13 years here? Yes. So what sort of tools or lessons did Oakwood give you that allowed you to take these risks personally and in your career? I feel like individuality and the confidence to explore that is something that comes from the philosophy of this school. I think entrepreneurship is a big root of this school to go after ideas, to collaborate with people that are in your community, to seek out knowledge out of the people that are in your community. All of that feels like something that I gained from being here. But I also think that there are tools that we didn't get. <laughs> and as I've really tried to build the strongest foundation for myself, I've thought, why didn't we learn that in school? Everyone is sort of conforming to a system. And I think maybe that system might need an update. I don't think that there's enough prioritization on life skills, just basic life skills. You start asking questions about the world and you start working towards fixing issues. And you're doing all these really big things. Sometimes, depending on the school, Oakwood, definitely. You're, you're really working on world issues and everything. But then you don't know how to manage your money or invest. I'm just kind of figuring out how the systems that I know can apply to the systems that I need to learn. But I think that those systems that I need to learn should be taught in school. You used to have these $2 shows. I remember that being such a unique thing you did. Maybe you could just talk about like what that was, uh, how it came to be, and how that way of thinking has sort of influenced your whole career. Yeah, it's funny, something in high school has influenced my whole career. <laughs> and it's true. I was playing in bands at the time that were playing in venues uh, that were usually 21 plus. I could never get anyone to come out. When my mom went out of town, I decided to sort of bring this community of bands together and host everyone in my backyard. The only way I knew how to accomplish this was by bringing together the different people that could help put this puzzle together. I decided that for anyone to go anywhere, it's a lot of effort and it's a big commitment, you know, to get them especially to come to the Valley when kids are spread out all over LA. So I made the show $2, no excuse. You gotta have $2, especially when these shows I was playing at the Roxy and whatever were like 18, 20, whatever. And then I also said that those $2 plus anything else you'd like to contribute would be donated to a charity. 
So then it's like, if you don't go, you're a jerk. <laughs> and then I said, oh yeah, and there's gonna be cookies. The idea was to bring a community together. That was a crash course in event production and business development. As soon as I see the, the issue or the problem, I'm always trying to figure out the solution. The issue for $2 shows, once it got too big, was we can't throw these in houses anymore. They're just 800 kids are showing up. The cops are showing up. And, <laughs> it, and it's all for a good cause. And it's, 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 you know, it's a positive thing, but it's, uh, it's getting out of hand. You know, security can't handle it. <laughs> I figured, okay, I need to do this at venues, but how am I going to get a venue for free the way I'm getting a house for free? So I somehow realized that the concept needed to become a 501c3 and turn into a nonprofit so that I could give a tax write-off to the venue. And that's what ended up happening. <laughs> I was Spencer's jazz band teacher at the time, and I remember being unbelievably frustrated with you for wanting to play the trumpet that I had <laughs> dedicated all this time to making you into a French horn player with a clear path towards some collegiate opportunity musically. And I, I wonder just what you know like when i think about your career now as being so wide reaching and diverse and my teaching style at the time especially which was really focused on specialization i wanted my students to be really great at their instrument because i thought that that would be the thing that would give them opportunities and uh even though i always felt like you and i had a very strong relationship there was always that tension between us that i always like wanted you to specialize more I wonder if you could talk about that dichotomy. It's interesting because I feel like I'm going through a similar moment right now. There's just a big difference between what you can do and what you want to do. And I think you don't really realize what you want to do until you do. Having the skill to play the French horn was something that I could do. Choosing the trumpet was something that I really wanted to do. And it was like this aha moment and nothing was going to stop me once I felt that. I was willing to do anything to hang on to that feeling because it's just so much more fulfilling and rewarding. I feel like up until this point in my solo artist career, I've been doing what I could do based on what I know how to do. But now I'm doing what I want to do. When you're a kid, it's hard to understand what you want to do. That's why I think those conversations are good to have with people as they're in their education, maybe that's one that we didn't really have. <laughs> you know, it was more, this is what you should do. And as a person who doesn't really know what they want to do, they do it because they can. And I think maybe the ongoing conversation of what do you want to do? And even if it's constantly changing or unclear or completely unknown, it's good to have that conversation. I actually, you know what? I, I don't remember being asked, what do you want to do until my college meeting in junior year? said, so what do you want to do? And I was like, music. She was like, well, you're going to have to pick an instrument. So what do you play? And I was like, French horn. She was like, okay, well, that's going to be an audition process. And you're going to be, you know, once you get into school doing that for four years. And I literally just woke up and I was like, oh no. Because I knew I didn't love playing it. But then when I realized that it was leading to four years more of playing it just to go to college, which was really leading towards the rest of my life, 
I was like, whoa. I need to think about what I want to do. The thing that I loved most then was Miles Davis, kind of blue. So I'd rather go on the pursuit of the feeling that I had when I listened to Miles Davis than playing French horn to go into college for what? Just to be in college, you know? When, when you think of your function in our society as an artist, what is your, your role in helping to push society forward? I think my role is positivity and being a source of it, a source of good energy. I think that that in itself can manifest into so many different things. I'm just trying to share as much positive energy as possible. I can't get away from it. This is who I am. You know, I'm writing albums, trying to write sad songs. They always turn into happy songs, you know? <laughs> I just, I enjoy that. I like something that makes me want to dance, that makes me happy, that makes me want to sing along, that makes me want to be in a room with everyone sharing the same feeling. And I think music is a very religious experience. It can be equated to a church or a synagogue or a mosque. It's like we're all experiencing this one thing together and this one energy together. I want the frequencies and the vibrations that I'm putting out to just ripple positive energy. Even if I'm saying something personal or serious, it's meant to leave a positive vibration. Um, I appreciate the time that you've given us today. Um, I have like always had a complicated relationship with you and I've always appreciated uh, your ability to push me to see things that are uh, not comfortable for me and see them in new lights and just since you were 14 years old pushing me to like see things differently. Likewise. Thanks for coming back to Oakwood. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Learned is supported by Oakwood School, a K-12 independent school in Los Angeles, California. Today's episode was produced by me, Tristan Friedberg-Rodman. I graduated from Oakwood in 2011. My co-producers are Ivan Johnson, Oakwood's Director of Co-Curricular Programs, and Christy Guevara, Oakwood's Director of Alumni Relations. Original music courtesy of Jody Landau, Class of 2010, River Kiefer, Class of 2013, and of course, Spencer Ludwig, Class of 2009. Intro music and additional sound design by Ivan Johnson. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on, and hit subscribe. Our homepage is at anchor.fm slash learned. In our next episode, we'll talk to Roy Rubin, class of 1993. Roy's journey is a wild one, from Oakwood to Israel to Silicon Valley. Until then, this is learned.